Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, and welcome back to another episode of Whose World Is This with Junior Renee Beaubrun. This episode is titled Whose World Is This Part 2, which is a part two of our conversation that we were having with Hawaii-based artist Sam John, a.k.a. Pack. Our first episode with him, or interview, we spoke about his origins, where he came from, um, how he ended up in Hawaii over the last 15, 16 years. And now he gave us an opportunity to finish our conversation with him. He's alive somewhere in Hawaii right now over the phone. I'm going to let him pronounce the place he's calling us from. So, Pac, where, where are you calling us from? Yo, officially calling from Duke Kahanamoku Beach Park. Very nice. <laughs> currently situated and for and for some of us that are not fortunate enough to be partaking in the weather in hawaii right now what's the temperature out there oh <laughs> it's a, it's a beautiful day actually um it's about 80 oh, degrees fahrenheit the mm. sun is out we've got uh okay okay that's all that's all we don't yeah, need to know anymore right. thanks <laughs> thanks <laughs> that's about yeah, enough for that yeah, send me some sunshine. Sun yeah, I appreciate so, yeah, that. You know, Amazon's been running a little slow over the last couple of days, but if you could send some sunshine to us, it'd be, a pre- most, it'd be definitely. most definitely appreciated. Appreciate that. So before we continue on with our conversation, I wanted you to uh, tell the audience again where they can get your material, learn more about your artistic journey, get some music from you, all of that good stuff. Where do they go? Yo, all of that good stuff is at the hub, which is my website. My website is packraps.com, P-A-K-R-A-P-S.com. That is the one stop. That is your, your, your main place the space to plug into all pack okay cool and i remember yeah. um in our f- uh part one of our interview you mentioned p-a-k stood for something it's an acronym for something what is it exactly what's p-a-k stand for yeah p-a-k perceive advanced knowledge perceive advanced knowledge interesting so we left off with you speaking about reaching your consumer, reaching your listener, uh, reaching your supporter via email, which I like to call direct to consumer, which is pretty much, you know, become more of a common model these days uh, for a lot of artists, musicians, anyone selling any kind of product or anything or any creator, you know, getting straight to your, uh, your, uh, your supporters. Now, what does that mean to you exactly how important is it for you to have a relationship with the people that are listening to your music and supporting you oh it's that's integral that's definitely what you said having a relationship you know um my i mean for me music is is a means of connection and so i see it as being a a mutual relationship you know and i want it to be as 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 pure as possible in the sense that there's there's as little static disruption interference uh in that in that connection so 
that is a big part of the reason why um, when I was introduced to the model of email or live shows uh, in particular, actually that's, that's really where I like to get it is in live shows and connect with, with fans, connect with listeners, uh, connect with, with people, with, with humans, fellow humans, as we're traveling on this spaceship mm. called planet Earth. So- uh, and so, yeah, so for me, it became, it became integral to have a, a website, a place where I could um, really express myself to the, to the fullest, uh, not being constrained by, say, like 140 characters or what some other company is saying, you know, this is a format. Not, not that that is what it is. Right. Uh, but, yeah, just for me, it was really important that I was able to express myself and be able to connect with um, my audience in as direct of a way as possible, okay. which for me is that, is that so, mailing list. So let me, let me um, enlighten some or at least give some context to some people that are just tuning into part two. And if they are just tuning into part two, I would suggest that you tune into part one, which is episode four titled The World is Yours. And um, we spoke to Pac about his early beginnings. Uh, um, he's of Pakistani descent, born and raised in Idaho, moved to Pakistan for a couple of years, then moved to SoCal, was a big fan or uh, first was introduced to hip hop vis-a-vis Tupac and Eminem. And um, his career or his uh, love of the art form and the genre took off from there. Now, I met him, I met Pac, when I lived in... The art form, the genre, and the culture. And the culture, for sure, for sure. And what's important is that when I met Pac, I was living in Hawaii, and I was told uh, through a friend that this dude, Pac, is like this stage-performing, freestyle kind of MC. So I saw a video of this dude on a stage as comfortable as can be, freestyling for God knows how long. So I've seen this man perform whole shows and committed nothing to memory, going straight off of energy, of the crowd, of what was going on at that particular moment. Now, let me explain something to a lot of people out there who aren't familiar with the art form of hip-hop music. That is extremely difficult. Some of your favorite MCs are not able to do that, to capture the energy in the room and just talk about it on beat, live instrumentation in the background. And that's what Pac brings. I think that one of his strongest suits, uh, aside from him having a pretty good pen, but this man, when this country and world opens up again, when he goes on tour, it's going to be a must-see event. It's something that is worth the price of admission. So I'm just going to say that before we continue on. All right, Pat? All right. <clears throat> That's my quick plug for you. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. When things, you know, um, when things open back up. Exactly. Don't know how long that window is going to be open, everybody. So really get it and appreciate it while the getting is good. Very true. Very true. That's on life. That's on everything. So what's important is this episode um, is a segue from what we were speaking about, the direct to consumer. And um, I left off the last episode by saying, 
the theme for this one, this episode was going to be nothing is more expensive than free. And because you're a hip hop dude, um, hip hop is my um, favorite art form. Um, And I used to work at record companies. I've managed groups and I'm from also I I saw the transition from the analog era to the digital era from the cassette vinyl to CD to Napster, LimeWire, downloading to now streaming. You know, I was there for it all. So I got to experience it. I, I was a major purchaser of music. Then I became a creator of music and I became a curator to a certain degree. And what I noticed is hip hop is in an interesting space. And I, we're gonna, I'm going to get to you about this. I just wanted to preface, uh, kind of set up the stage, so to speak. Um, yeah, it's in an interesting space because it's a paradox. It's the most po- popular art form. One can argue it's the most powerful genre because no other genre of, of American music actually speaks to the goings-on that are going on as specific as hip-hop does. It pretty much gave you a window into a lot of people that you would have never known uh, or never heard about, the, you know, people that were off in the inner cities or this, that, and the third. And, you know, we went from the South Bronx to Eminem being able to tell his story as a marginalized, uh, uh, poor white youth in the Midwest. There are a lot of stories that hip hop is able to tell you that no other genre tells you. And at the same time, hip hop has a way of devaluing itself. And what I mean by that is uh, when LimeWire came around and Napster and you were able to download music and things like that, <clears throat> we didn't find a way to make our music more of an event. So we started giving away more music and calling it a mixtape. And me personally, I took offense to original musics being called a mixtape. To me, a mixtape was a freestyle. You were you were a rapper. Maybe you didn't have access to a studio or an access to producers. So you rapped on a popular beat that someone else already used. That's fine. You can put that out just to get your name out and get your raps out. But when I saw artists going to the studio, paying producers for original works, paying for studio time, paying for engineers to mix and then master their music, and then giving it away for free. I was saying to myself, what are we doing? Giving away whole pizza pies in the hope that someone was going to come back (laughs) and purchase a pizza pie. And as opposed to, you know, we spoke about this before, as opposed to, you know, when you go to a food court and someone's giving you that little toothpick of teriyaki chicken, you know, uh, we're saying, right, hey, right. And so you take this little niblet, this little nugget, and then you say, oh, this is pretty good. I'm going to buy a whole plate now. But here we are, uh, the stream, are. yeah, the Spotify's and the whatever, the, 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 the streaming sites have now, uh, I don't want to say devalued the music, but the artist isn't getting paid what they used to get paid. And they weren't even getting paid that much. So... We are at a point now where the independent artist, I feel, should be putting themselves in a position where their website is the headquarters end-all, be-all for people to listen to their music. Forget about what the streamers or whoever's doing. 
have your website, try to find some sort of player and video player that can play on your site, drive all the traffic to your site so you yourself can have an, an, uh, a relationship with advertisers and speak to them about what's going on on your page. New listeners, new viewers, new clicks, new everything. And then you can now set the terms of compensation as opposed to having a, a bunch of go-betweens. Your thoughts? Yeah, that, that to me sounds like... Uh, <clears throat> sounds like the 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 blueprint for empowerment in a in a sense i say that word you know because it's it's taking the power from this nameless faceless you know entity and it's putting it back in your hands and it's also putting it back in the hands of the listeners and the fans of music you know um we're able to directly support uh, one another, you know, where it's like with, with minus whatever, the, the basically just cutting out the middleman, so to speak. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, that, that was, what's, if you expand on this and start to go even deeper into this whole thing, you know, there's this narrative out there that, oh, well, you know, you cutting out the middleman, that's going to, reduce or eliminate jobs or you know these positions like how are people and, and livelihoods right um but i counter that with saying like yo that's actually it's going to free up energy it's going to free it's going to make more energy and time available for putting that into investing into other other areas of um of our lives I agree. Perhaps, I agree. That perhaps need that, that actually have been neglected that need to be more prioritized. You know, it, when we start talking about, yo, know, looking at the environment, looking at, uh, uh, getting at arts and culture, um, looking at education, you know, there, there's all of these areas, uh, agriculture, you know, looking at like just the, all these things that are, are necessities. Well, look, look let's. Interesting you bring that up. Let's look at specifically the the record industry, right? Sure. Like I told yes. you, um, we're going I'm going back to cassettes and CDs. There was an uh there was a rumored discussion that occurred between um the uh Sony executive and uh Tommy Matola. No one knows who Tommy Matola is. He was a big time executive for uh I think it was Sony Records long time ago you know he's part of the mm -hmm. mariah michael jackson things like that he was in the room where that was happening the exec behind a lot of those projects and this is late i want to say mid to late 90s the sony executive said to tommy matola that music as a packaged good is dead okay now this is very important because i remember specifically um going to a place called disc makers in new york where you can get a certain amount of CDs on your own yep. for a certain amount. Of, yeah. And, you know, we would buy CDs and, you know, people were using them for their demos to, to, to send to different record companies or you would send it to different 
nightclubs that had live performances so they can hear your music so you can get booked or you would actually get enough of a booklet or uh, you dress up this uh, CD enough where you can actually sell it to the public. Now, I remember hearing about music being dead as a packaged good soon and I was working at a record company and I'm saying to myself, where's the research and development? Where's the R&D? So you can get ahead of the new technology that's right, you know, over the over the rainbow, over the horizon. And when you speak about better for the environment or workers and things like that, you know, when you work at a record company, record companies are an extremely <laughs> inefficient and wasteful business operation. There are a lot of floors upon floors and employees upon employees that are really doing nothing. They're burning a lot of a lot of energy and they're wasting a lot of office floor space in the most expensive floor spaces in the world in New York, California and London. And I'm seeing 15 foot glass windows and marble floors and conference tables that seat 30. And I'm saying, is this where all the artists money is going to? When you tell when the artist comes back and says, I sold 500,000 records and you only have $30,000 for me. Is this why? And so, right. <laughs> you know, it's this this elephant that has to be fed. And what's interesting about that is here we are 2021 music is no longer a packaged good. It hasn't been a packaged good in a long time. As a matter of fact, new cars don't even come with CD players, most of them. Understand, yep. you have an aux yep. plug to plug in your phone, your, your, your music player, whatever. So if music isn't a packaged good anymore, and I can record it in my home, record it on a Pro Tools setup on my laptop, have a microphone, have my keyboards synced in, and I can finish music right on my computer, upload it in an MP3, MP4 format, then why, why are artists in 2021 getting paid less per song than they were when it was a packaged good? And you needed a manufacturing plant and photography and a CD plant and trucks and planes where you can ship it from New York to California and, 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 and having plants in Asia and Europe. Now that it's no longer a package good, we freed it and now it's on the web in this ethereal space. You would think that an artist now would get paid more per record than at any other time, but instead, it's devalued. Instead, the artist is getting paid the least per song than they've ever been paid. And, you know, I feel that the only remedy to this situation is for artists to cut down on their entourage of dudes they have to feed and make sure those guys on gals in their circle know how to code and know how to come up with websites and video and music players on websites and know how to create uh, uh, algorithms and advertising so you can empower your own particular brand. Because counting on the middlemen, even in the internet age and even in the web age where you're counting on digital middlemen to handle your business, uh, it's at your detriment. Yeah, yeah. And you know. this even leads to, you know, this... Uh 
you touched on that aspect of of the financial, you know, motivation. And then if you look, you know, from the financial motivation, you know, expand off of that, that there's this there's this unspoken kind of thing where it's like, well, what sells? What is it that is is getting plays or streams or views? And so that quickly can just become limiting in the sense of if you've if you've got a particular if you have a particular style sound of music that you are presenting to people and being like, hey, this is the only option. And so now all I've got is this one flavor and I'm buying that flavor. And then you turn around and look at it and say, what flavor is selling the most? And it's just the one flavor. But of course it's the one flavor because you only got the one flavor. So you continue to just justify that one flavor as being the, the flavor that should be produced, packaged, served, presented, and you miss out on all these other, all these other flavors, potential you know, flavors, possible things that are out there. Like a, that's, and so, so as an artist, it's very freeing as well mm. to be like, yo, if I, I'll, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to censor myself. I don't have to uh, be at the behest of a boardroom or, you know, not to say that there's, 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 there's something to be said about getting feedback and, you know, uh, hearing, hearing what people kind of like feel about the music or getting input and, and things like that. Uh, but it's another thing to be like, well, you know, this, this just doesn't feel like it's going to be commercially ex- exploit, exploitable. You know, so, you know, what's interesting about what you just said is, <clears throat> yeah. You know, it's all it's been said that the record industry, the reason why uh, the record industry wasn't attractive to Wall Street investors was because that the record industry worked at what was called an 80 percent failure rate, which meant that 20 percent of the successful artists, their monies were used to fund 80 percent of the failures. Now, I I pushed back on that when I started working at companies because I realized what was considered a failure wasn't necessarily a failure. If you sell 150,000 or 200,000 of anything, that can't be considered a failure. If I sell <laughs> if I sell 150,000 cups, I have a cup company. If, if I sold 150,000 t-shirts, I have a real viable t-shirt company. Am I wrong? I have to <laughs> scale to that 150,000 uh, uh, customers. I have to scale to that two or 300. But back in the 90s, if you're a hip-hop guy and you were selling 150,000 copies, you were considered a flop. Why were you considered a flop? Because your project was supposed to pay the rent on that fancy record company's address on Rockefeller Plaza or in Beverly Hills or in London in the United Kingdom. And what you sold wasn't enough to pay their bills. But truthfully, what you sold was well enough to make you personally a rich person. If you found the way to cut out that middleman and sell 150,000 copies or 150,000 of anything to your consumer, to your Straight listener. Up. And what ended up happening is 
these record companies got so big that they didn't know what to do with the artist that could sell 200,000 copies, 300,000 copies. Maybe you, maybe the people that listen to you are only in one region. That's fine. Let's get that project to those people in that region. Let's find a record company or a subsidiary or create some sort of incubator, smaller scale down business model because that person is selling. And if, if there's, and they say you don't have a business unless someone is willing to buy your product. That's when you know you have a business. So if 150,000 new consumers are willing to buy my product, that means I actually have a real product. So what is the problem? And that was one of the biggest issues I had with the record companies uh, when I started working for them. I was like, you're not finding a way to take advantage of these niche groups. You have to change the way you look at what is a successful model. And a lot of artists were selling most of their power, their rights to their music just to reach a wider audience. But they were getting paid less to reach a wider audience as opposed to getting paid more to reach their niche audience if they were to do it themselves. But no one teaches you how to do this stuff yourself. I feel like now, more than ever, an artist can put themselves in a position to empower themselves to learn how to market themselves. I mean, most Dev had this song. It was called Mathematics. Yes. And yes. on the uh, Black on Both Sides album. Yep. And, um, he used to say, uh, he said on the, I think it was the, the end of the first verse, he said, um, if you want to learn how to rhyme, you better learn how to add. It's mathematics. But um, I will counter that. And I say, if you want to learn, you, instead of learning how to rhyme, you better learn how to code. That's where we are right now. <laughs> I, I think you touched on it, too. When you, you, I mean, you said the word a couple times. Now you said learn, the word learn. And how important, <clears throat> you know, learning, you know, uh, which is education which is which is knowledge so getting you know it's 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 on the path to that um it's one of those steps and it's so important because that's the thing is we we see you know you said we we see the means the tools are now available there is the potential the potential energy it's there to be able to um to 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 approach it in this way and to do it in this manner. Um, and there are still like obstacles there. And I think one of the, one of the biggest obstacles we see is, is, is awareness is understanding yeah. of that, you know? And so there still is, despite the fact that we can, we can connect directly, you know, with, with our fans. Um, there are still these hurdles and challenges to that where, you know, I, I, mentor some some younger artists and I, you know just try and share my experience with them and, and what I've noticed over my years doing this thing um, as an artist and a lot of times you know I'm telling them like yo the mailing list is is fundamental that's clutch that's key you should you should you need to have that if you are looking for any kind of like longevity and success and you know it's it's also comes down to how you define success you know so if it's like you know, cats are like looking for um, maybe looking for someone else to, to do it for them. You know, it's like, well, you got to understand what this what this person's intention is. What is this company set up for? They're just looking to turn a profit to make money. You know, so 
if you're if you're say looking to and then to make it like in this in this like you said the elephant you know to make it in this massive kind of uh capacity yeah where it's like yo uh but now what is the cost of that of making that much there's a there's a cost for that as well it's like there there is a cost yo, for that <laughs> mo, mo money more problems so <laughs> so the the conundrum i find now is it's it's interesting because um i spoke about this in um back in the days a couple years back and i said um i i lamented what i called the death of the middle class mc and i'm going to explain to you what i mean by that um i grew up in jamaica queens and i would bump into your favorite rapper and they were approachable they still lived in the neighborhood even though they had a hit record on the radio Yes, um, middle-class MC. They would have, you know, granted, they'd, they'd have a fancier truck than the average, but it wasn't a $100,000 Range Rover. It would be a, 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 a Yukon or whatever, or, you know, something that anybody who's making a decent living can get. You get what I mean? Um, sure, yeah. No yeah. one was flying private. Um and things like that. And what I mean by that yeah. is what ended up occurring is it became a fly private or bust industry where the, the, the MC no longer wanted to make a, just a living being an artist. So they thought I'm going to sign away most of who and what I am in the hopes that I can fly private as well, in the hope that I can push a $200,000 car as well. Meanwhile, I looked at the he- the heavy metal and a lot of the independent rock groups model where they would tour 250 days a year and sell their t-shirts and sell their music at shows and they were making a good living, a good enough living where they can afford a little house in a decent neighborhood. But when you spoke to hip hop artists about that in the late 90s when the videos became more and more and more over the top materialistically, no one wanted to be a middle class MC and put in that kind of what you just mentioned work anymore. There's a right. certain amount of sweat equity that goes into being an independent artist. But the the reward and the payoff is you control your music, you control your masters, you control how your music is licensed, you yeah, control you the got your creative creative freedom, you, creative control. You have the control over your release dates, the you know. Speak about what you want to speak about. To exactly. talk about certain things that might not be. Again, when you talk about hip hop being uh, the the culture, the voice of the streets, the voice of the people, it's like there's some things that the powers to be don't want heard. They of don't course want not. that to be said. Of that's what we. <laughs> of course not. And yeah. th- and this is what's becoming and, important. And it needs to be talked about. It needs to be discussed. It needs to be brought to awareness. You know, there's 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 more to it than just um than just the dollar bill. And so what the question, the existential question that the hip-hop artist, the independent artist is going to have to ask, the artist is going to have to ask themselves when they come to that crossroads where they have a certain amount of popularity, where the corporate powers that be are finding you attractive as a commodity, as, a, as an investment, 
And then you have to ask yourself a very important question at that time. How much are you willing to give up for maybe a wider audience? Possibly. How much control? How much of your how much of your creative control and how much of being your own boss and your independence are you willing to sacrifice for it? And that becomes one could say an individual question, but I feel that it's more of a collective question because now I'm, I'm seeing twofold, I'm seeing a lot more independent artists, which is to me awesome. I love it. But, yeah. but yeah. then, <laughs> but then we have the flip side to that. We have artists now that are signing more and more draconian deals that are likened to what artists were signing back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s when the mafia owned a lot of people's contracts. Right. What they yeah. call the what they call the 360 deal. Now, if anyone out there is a little uh, in the dark about what a 360 deal is, um, what that means is record companies used to be able to uh, get a percentage of obviously your record sales and sometimes uh, and your your radio spins and things of that nature. Once record sales uh, decreased significantly and radio spins and things like that and streaming became the new norm and record companies were losing a bundle. What did record companies do now? They decided now to create these 360 deals to make up for the fact that they weren't making any more money off record sales. They were taking a percentage of artists touring money, which used to be sacred and sacrosanct to the artists, sacrosanct to the artist. Artists used to oftentimes say my record deal. I haven't gotten a penny off of my record sales. Your favorite artist oftentimes hasn't gotten a penny off of their record sales years ago, but how they would make that up to a certain degree was their popularity. They would go on the road and work their behinds off and tour all over the world. And that's how they would make, they would leverage their popularity from their record sales onto the, onto the road. And the record company didn't get a piece of that. Anyway, now that the record companies are not getting uh, big checks anymore from uh, actual record sales, they're taking a piece of your movie money if you're in a movie, they're getting a piece of that. If you're moving some merchandise with your name on it, they're getting a piece of that. Uh, your show money and your tour money, they're getting a piece of that. You're getting sponsored and endorsed by this product or that product, they're getting a piece of that as well. It's called a 360 deal. All the way around, you're getting hugged by your record company. They're surrounding <laughs> your money. It's this. I wouldn't call it a hug. I would call it something along the lines <laughs> of what a... The hug that starts going too long and becomes well, to get insidious. <laughs> well, it's a it's it's if a boa constrictor decides to <laughs> yeah, hug you. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you yeah, the boa constrictor starts off real slow. You gotta watch out. You gotta, yeah, 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 it starts off real slow. Oh, no, this is nice, well, and then all of a sudden you're like, somebody get this thing off of me, <laughs> and that's when you go, somebody get me out of this deal. So. Yeah. And that's what ended up happening. So right now you have a lot of these artists signing these deals where the record company is taking so much of everything just to justify their existence that it doesn't even make sense to be an artist anymore. The artist now is working more for the record company more than they ever had before. Because before 
some of us, some of them would sacrifice their record sales. They'd be like, you know what? I know they're getting quadruple. I know I'm supposed to be well over a million dollars, well over two, three million, but I only have $60,000, but you know, I'm going to make it up on tour. That used to be what they used to say all the time. That was the word in the studios. I'm going to make it up on tour. They'd always, yeah, they got me. That is, I, man, I can't count how many times I heard it from your favorite MC. They got me. They got me, but I'm going to make it up on tour. Those, that's not entirely the case anymore. Now it's, you got to hope your views on Instagram and you can commodify that and, 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 and you got to do all of these other things. And besides just being an artist, just can I do this music and sell it? And that's it. No, that's not enough. So now, and yeah, then when you, that too, just to, just to interject real quick, it's of course. doing, doing things that Instagram hustle, the, the views hustle, the YouTube, you are not only competing with other music artists, you are competing with every, everyone, everyone, exactly. everyone who has stuff. So you are competing with anyone who is broadcasting anything. It's yeah. It's uh, just to get a sense of what the what the field is. It's like it's not only that the the um, <clears throat> the game has evolved, but it's also like the playing field, the board has has also changed in a manner that makes it um, just extremely uh, challenging. That's very and interesting. Was, That's ve- because yeah. what you're saying is. Wow. You know, that's very interesting. I didn't I didn't even look at it that way, because if you're selling, usually when you're selling music and you have a CD in your hand, you're competing with other people with CDs in their hand. If it's on the radio, I'm competing with other people on the radio. If it's a video or if it's a video, a music video show, I'm competing with other people on a music video show. But you're saying yes. that if I'm on Instagram, if I'm on a social media site, you're not just competing for the attention of people looking for music. You're saying you're competing with everyone that's got something to huck and sell and, and, and everything so pretty much. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah. Ah. Wow. Wow. And yeah. that, you know what? And that's interesting because that leads me to what I wanted to speak about too, as far as that's concerned. I remember I, I owned a, a recording studio in the warehouse district out in Miami back in 05, right around the time you were discovering Tupac, I was opening up my studio, another studio okay. of mine in Miami. So, um, um, no, when, when did you move to Hawaii? I moved to Hawaii 2006. 2006. Yeah. So right around the time you got to Hawaii was I was opening up my studio is what I wanted to say. Yes. So right around that time, um, I was talking to artists about how to create an event with their music. How to create an event with their music. You can't just give people a CD anymore. You can't just do that. You have to give them... Uh, live footage of you at a show you have to give them something else to dig their teeth into because the art form is so ubiquitous now uh they can just stream it they can look at it on their phone they can do whatever so what are you giving them how are you adding value to the listening experience and that brings me to like when kanye did that uh premiere for his new slaves video 
where he projected it over like 60 screens worldwide. Now, it's almost like you have to add this sort of P.T. Barnum, sort of Don King thriller. You have to create the spectacle and the noise to get the people riled up and interested or that novel uh, uh, premiere that most deaf did Yasin Bey did for his uh, album N E G U S uh, at the Brooklyn museum where you could only hear it. You pay $20 to get in. You can only hear it in that museum. You put headphones on their original artworks and sculptors by different collaborators with Yasin Bey. And you can only hear that album there you can't take it with you creating these little new events to create new relationships with the audience that the the record companies aren't going to think about because they're thinking about their yeah. bottom line and and to create that that new relationship with with music itself yes and this is this is really interesting because the relationship itself has changed like I, when you point out when you talk about uh most and kanye you know, um, and there's a couple artists they're not coming to mind. I know they've 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 done things like this, um, but one of the reasons, one of their motivations, the intention behind why they're doing that in the first place is to to to, to reestablish what the relationship with music, in fact, uh, can be. What what it is like that there is a a different approach with it. That's not simply just a commodity. That it can also be have a value in uh, in in culture, in art, in promoting this 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 sense of, of being personal creative expression, of being able to be. I think you've said this before as like docu documentary, documentative. You know, it can it can be a, a, a way to oral storytelling, oral traditions. We're passing on. It can be a way to disseminate knowledge. KRS, knowledge reigns supreme. Yeah. I can't tell you any album I listen to of KRS. It's like I have just stepped into uh, a, a university classroom. Yeah. And I'm being, I'm being <laughs> provided uh, an education with boom, bap, beats, and rhyme. I mean, what an awesome way to learn, right? So. So these artists are, are actually working to reestablish the relationship, but then that begs the question, why? Why do we even need to do that in the first place? Because we have to assess and look at it and see what the relationship has become. What, what is the relationship now? Yeah. And that fits into the larger picture of this general commodification of bodies and souls, of all of, all of these things. It's just become, yo, transforming. And I love The Matrix. I love, I'm a big fan of The Matrix movie, so I'll use this. It's like Morpheus saying, how can they transform a human from a human to this? To this. And he's holding a battery. He's yeah. holding a battery. Yeah. And in that battery, you know, the battery is just basically energy and, and equating it to how can we turn him into this, into this money. And that's, that's, that's interesting because, um, I used to enjoy it, the, uh, musical experience as a packaged good, you know, you open up a, uh, a CD or an album vinyl 
And while the songs are playing, I'm looking at the booklets and the pictures and who was featured on what song and, and whatever. And that used to, um, I was excited to see who was on what song, who produced what, um, where'd they get this sample from? And, and so it was a tactile experience as well. I was looking at the photos and now all of a sudden it's just an MP3 or it's just streaming, but there's also another way to look at it. The music has been freed from being a packaged good. So it can yeah. be whatever it wants to be right now. It's not relegated to a cassette or an eight track or a vinyl or a CD or an interactive CD. So right now, more than any other time in, in, in music's history, we can reach the masses as well as re not only reestablishing the relationship with the consumer and the listener, but reinventing it. Right, right, right. And we, so, we definitely are in, at, a, at a paradigm shift at a crossroads. And there's, there's no doubt that there is um, a plethora of incredible things that happen, really positive turns. Uh, it's at just the same time, we also have the, uh, I guess you could say the dark side of <laughs> the force huh. that's also that's also with us and so we come to this crossroads and then it, it becomes this matter of the collective uh desire the collective will like what how are we going to define our values moving forward where do we want to go with this yeah it's like it's right. real talk you want to learn how to rhyme you better learn how to code i really believe that <laughs> at this point you know it's it's very important that a lot of these entourages and a lot of these dudes I see getting diamonds implanted into their foreheads and all of this other, right, you know right, what right. I mean? It's all, I'm not right. mad at you. You want to add gimmicks and add revelry and add spectacle, do that. I want to make sure that your back end and your backside is protected. You know, right, right. You, you, That's it. it's just, it's understanding. And sometimes, you know, um, artists are young, kids are young. They, they, they don't have, that understanding, that awareness yet, you know, and uh, that's where it, it's important, I think, for those of us who who have some experience, who have, um, are, are, are doing the work of learning, you know, who are tapping into that, to accessing that, it's, um, um... and having that vision to understand, like, it's like, yo, this is just, be aware of this, be understand, and here are some methods here are some tools here are some uh possible solutions recommendations in order to achieve this result because if this is the result that you're going for you know you're looking for longevity you're looking for connection fulfillment yeah you know a sense of um <coughs> a, 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 that 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 kind of thing right there I would and in, in addition to like having like yes your financial some financial stability financial independence the ability to to mobilize uh, a fan base a support network that you know it's a mutually beneficial thing your your support network they are also benefiting and then you are also benefiting everyone's taking care of each other that's the community it's the um, community aspect of it and it's like it's um it's it's incumbent you know 
Yeah, it's incumbent on every artist. Um, I don't care if you're in the hip hop industry or, or a hip hop genre or not, but especially I'm speaking to hip hop because I'm, a, a, you know, it's um yard from nearest and dearest to me, and yeah. um and I see those artists get exploited uh, the most because they're coming from oftentimes, not all the time, but oft times they're coming from backgrounds where there isn't a person who is uh. Uh, knowledgeable about contracts and what is an over leveraged contract or what is an unfair what is an unfair agreement so they're looking at signing up to get out of whatever situation that they're in and yep. they're not getting advice from people because they don't have anyone to advise them so the the, rec the, con the companies that get involved with them they're not partnering with these young dudes and these young females. This is not a partnership. It, from out the gate, inherently, it's an exploitative relationship. And they're selling you smoke, mirrors, and, and scented doo-doo. It's like, I'll, I'll just... And the, so, you know... So... so that's what you said. It's, in, it's incumbent on, on those of us um, who have had the privilege, who are privileged to be able to have have studied to have been able to have had the the means by which to um seek out knowledge and learning and yeah. by having that to then be of service to others I, I i just i actually think of myself and like yeah hip-hop artist but i'm uh, i'm also in the service industry absolutely I'm serve i'm here to serve my fellow man i'm and here to serve the planet you know, our home. <laughs> that's, that's interesting you know? that you say that because take, take me right now on this platform. I'm a new, I'm a newbie podcaster. I'm not new to business. I'm new to this platform and doing this. So, you know, I, I have what I consider this to be my intellectual property. This is my name and my voice and soon to be my likeness in certain regards. And, um, if a company decides that they want to partner with me, you're not going to partner with me. I'm going to create an entity in between that go between where I own this intellectual property vis-a-vis -a, -vis a corporation. This is mine. Now, if you want to partner business entity to business entity, we can have a conversation and we can see what it is and what that's going to entail and what that's going to look like and what makes sense for me so I can remain independent and we can work with each other and I'm not working for you and pretty much being beholden to your mandates because what I would rather do, the end game for me is if this really takes off, so to speak, and I, I get a, a, a wide listenership or whatever, I would take all of this material off of all of these platforms, put them on my site. And if people want them or to hear the full this or the full that, it's available on on my entity, on, on my engine and my platform. As opposed to the go-between, the go-betweens, the go-betweens, having it on their platforms and telling me how much I can make per click, per play, per view. You know, because that's the end. Like right now, they tell you, we'll take care of all of that for you. And we'll give you this little piece when you get above this mark. We'll take care of that for you. And that's the lore when you're first starting out. We'll take care of that for you. We'll take care of all of that for you. Don't worry about the advertising and the this, that. One click, don't worry about it. 
And that's fine if you're just starting out, like take me in this platform, I'm just starting out. But what's gonna happen eventually is as I learn more and I'm doing more, I'm gonna go, yeah, I am gonna worry about it. You know, if the, the movie that just came out one night in Miami, it's on um, HBO, um, that details uh, a meeting between Muhammad Ali, Sam Cooke, Jim Brown, and Malcolm X in a, ho okay, yeah. Yeah, in a hotel room in Miami after Muhammad Ali won the uh, heavyweight championship of the world, at that time becoming the youngest heavyweight championship ever. And Sam Cooke, who was an R&B artist who owned certain masters and owned certain songs, um, he said, I don't want a piece of the pie. I want the recipe. And that's a very important statement. You know, getting a piece of the pie is one thing. A lot of these artists, especially these bigger artists, especially in hip hop music, they mislead the younger generation of hip hoppers by thinking getting a bigger piece of the pie is an actual win when it's not. Getting the recipe is the win. So you can bake your own pie, make your own pie, and divvy it out as you see fit. That's the win. That's correct, yeah. And having, if you think about having more pie makers in every neighborhood is going to feed a lot more people. That, that neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. You, you said you can divvy it out according to how you see fit, which would be like, hey, if we have this need, you know, we got more people here who need the pie. You know, Absolutely. We need this kind of pie. But if we got only one pie maker and they just making the one kind of pie, one pie don't fit all. One pie doesn't fit all. And so I just, I just nowadays more than ever with the, uh, the liberation of information vis-a-vis -vis, um, uh, the web, uh, all the information that's available to so many people about how to DIY and do it yourself. I just don't want more artists, more podcasters, more content creators to feel that they have to be beholden to some bigger entity when they themselves are the entity and um, don't, don't allow yourself to be blinded or, or, or seduced by this idea of, uh, of, of, of super wealth that this company can give you. Uh, they can't give you wealth if they own your likeness and your masters and your content. They can make you comfortable, but they're not going to make you wealthy. He who owns the rights to you becomes wealthy. He who owns your masters, your copyrights, your likeness becomes wealthy. You may be yeah. comfortable, but then once you find out how much you're owed, you may be very uncomfortable <laughs> when you find out yeah. how it's much. Just, it's, a, it's another form of, of slavery. Well, it, a it is a, word, it, you know? I call it a, a, it's a it's a it's a comfortable servitude. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's it's a comfortable sort of servitude where you're in this gilded cage, so to speak, where you have this contract, but yet, you know, um, you're flying here and maybe you're renting a decent place or maybe you can afford a little this or afford a little that. But, you know, you just created something that could create generational wealth. These record companies own people's masters for generations in perpetuity in perpetuity throughout the universe that means if you drop an album on saturn they're like just in case you thought you can leave this planet and make this money without me i own you in perpetuity throughout the universe you know i studied contracts uh last yep. semester we're gonna get into that another time but and i'm i'm looking at what passed for a contract in the record industry and if you look at a textbook as to what a contract is 
all of these contracts should be null and void because of how over leveraged they are for the corporations. These are unfair agreements. Almost, almost yeah. every single last thing I read about contracts, whether it's promissory estoppel and et cetera, et cetera. I'm looking and I, I just dated back to all the record contracts that came across my eyes. And I'm saying to myself, my goodness, every single last one of those is some sort of over leveraged agreement that shouldn't even hold up in a court of law. If one of the parties decides to dispute it, the over leveraged party disputed it. So what I'm saying to a yeah, lot of people. It, it, and, it, can't, it can't really be a contract if, if one party doesn't understand, is incapable of understanding. Yeah. Due to the structure of the contract. Due to the, the structure language, of the, the language. The <laughs> mere language. There have been contracts that have been thrown out just due to the language where the judge says this is just not fair. It's not a fair, this, this isn't fair. Like that word was actually used by a judge saying, this is an unfair agreement. So this is, it's just not going by the uniform commercial code. It's not following UCC guidelines. It's not fair. So right now, more than ever, content creators are free. It's a different landscape. I, I want to see bigger relationships interesting relationships innovative relationships yeah. being created by content creators and the audience and i want the audience to to hold themselves accountable and say listen man pay your favorite artist compensate yeah. them for the work that they're doing so they can continue to provide you those original works and that quality so they don't have to compromise you yeah. know what i mean yeah. so yeah so yeah. Don't put don't put yourself back in the cage. Just, nah, don't, don't go back the in the cage. cage. Don't go back in the cage. Yeah, they don't oh, put you know. Back in there there's a liberating quality the artist, to this. That's the artist. That's like, the artist. It's a very important don't go because. Go back into the cage, and I like what you said about then the community being like, "Yo, let's let's support that cage-free living." Yeah. Like it's like, yo, if I'm gonna buy my buy some eggs, I want to make sure they're yeah. cage-free. Yeah. Cage-free eggs. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Cage-free artists. Cage-free tastes better. Yeah, cage-free, cage-free is just better. You know what I mean? So cage-free. I'm I'm supporting cage-free artists right now. Real talk. Yeah. I don't care what genre you're in. I don't care what your medium of art artistry is. I'm I'm I am all about supporting cage-free artists. That's hilarious, by the way. That's yeah, hilarious. That's, the, that's, that's the hilarious. Right there. That's hilarious. But but yo, pack. But brother Pack, I want you to tell everybody again where they can reach you, what Pack stands for, and where they can reach you. Yo, Pack, perceive advanced knowledge. Your boys at packraps.com. P A K R A P S.com. P A K R A P S.com. That's the headquarters, Pack headquarters, and for all the Pack backers, yo. That's hilarious. That's where, uh, that's where we connected. Official. Make sure you get up on that mailing list. I got all kinds of cage-free <laughs> art coming your way. Uh, it is. It's. It's hot. It's hot off the presses. It's tasty, delicious, nutritious, and I would love to share some of that with you. Um, you just gotta show up. All right. Let me know. <laughs> Let me know where you at so I can get you that sweet pack. All right. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, all you guys out there for listening to episode five. Whose world is this? Part two. Nothing is more expensive than free with Sam John 
aka pack and pack i really appreciate you taking the time out of your day out there in sunny and beautiful and warm hawaii to speak to us out here bro oh, it's a pleasure june thank you so much and thank you all the listeners we appreciate you it's all peace and love all right peace <laughs>